Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Wasn't that good? <laughs> yeah, we have fears, but turn your fears into faith. That's, that was really a great example. Sure. I can't help thinking that, just a reminder, the Christian faith is, uh, is not 100 meters or even 200 meters. Well done, Christine, but Paris. Um, but the Christian race is a marathon, and, you know, it's perseverance. It's keeping going. So, yeah, what's a, what, a, what a great testimony. It's really good to be sharing with you once again. Uh, if you've seen the Facebook page for New Song, uh, you'll know our, our fear topic this morning is uh, the, the fear of death, overcoming the fear of death. I, I did jump at the topic. I was given more than one to choose. I've jumped at this one because this is one I've worked through myself. And um, I thought that maybe my working through it will help you work through it as well. So it, it's a very personal topic to me. And uh, I hope, I hope it'll, it'll, it'll help you as well. So I think uh, you've got the handout there and, the, and that wonderful quote by uh, F.D. Roosevelt, uh, uh, which, which kind of shows us the problem. <laughs> uh, he was speaking at his inauguration address in 1933, I think it was, in the U.S., uh, and I suppose what he was trying to say uh, was that uh, in America they have so much technology and wealth and everything else, uh, they, they, don't, they don't have to fear anything anymore. Uh, they, they've advanced so far down the road <clears throat> that the only thing they have to fear is fear itself. Um, but of course, that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem. We're still afraid of fear. <laughs> uh, even if we're all, we have all these wonderful technologies and, and all these kind of things, uh, we are still going to be confronted with fear. Uh, at NETS, uh, one of the subjects I teach is African traditional religion. It's a bit weird having a white guy talking to Africans about African traditional religion. Um, but um, it's the, the one thing that characterizes ATR is fear, actually. You talk, talk to some of our, uh, uh, let's say, black Namibian uh, brothers and sisters here. What was it like being in that tradition? Uh, what one word characterizes it? It really is fear. And as a missionary in Africa for nearly 30 years, uh, well, I, I've felt that fear. I've, I've, I can get a kind of an idea what that feels like. Uh, and, and I think fear characterizes our world today and the fear of, of death as well, of, of course. Um, you've got your hand out there. <clears throat> I just thought as a reminder that there are actually things called good fears. That's a bit weird, doesn't it? Um, and, and actually more than one as well. So don't forget the good fears. Um, and I've got Proverbs 1 verse 7 there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a good fear. Uh, that's, that's a fear that we do need to have. Um, you, it's in the, the, the word fear there, of course, is in Hebrew. And um, it's, it's fear not so much of, you know, waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning with the sweat running down your face and your heart racing. It, the fear is more of awe and respect. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm being a little bit um, disingenuous there, isn't it? Uh, the, the fear of the Lord that we are to have uh, is characterized by awe and respect uh, and, uh, and obedience and service, you know, uh, that's, that's how we are to fear the Lord. But it's a good fear. 
And uh, if you know the hymn, uh, Through All the Changing Scenes of Life, that's the title. Uh, one of the lines during one of the verses is, Fear him, ye saints, and you will then have nothing else to fear. So when we fear God, that actually drives away all the other fears. Uh, in a sense, when, when we are being uh, attacked and overcome, when fear is overcoming us, one of the reasons that that might be happening is because we've lost the fear of the Lord. Uh, uh, we're not fearing the Lord. We've fallen away from that awe and respect of the Lord. And then, of course, we're opening ourselves up to worldly fears. So uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we do fear him, we, we should have nothing else to fear because our, our fear is in the right place. It's, it's a holy fear. The Ovaherero have holy fire, but we have holy fear. So that's, 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 that's a much better thing uh, to have. Uh, the second good fear um, I've called the fear of judgment. Excuse me. <clears throat> and it's a weird line. Have you noticed this weird line in the hymn Amazing Grace? We all know Amazing Grace backwards, all those wonderful words. But did this line ever make you scratch your head? Probably not, just me. Okay. Um, but it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." What's, what's this thing about grace teaching my heart to fear? What's that? Is, was it Satan who taught my heart to fear, or, or death that taught my heart to fear? No, it says it's grace. The writer of the hymn says, "'It was grace that taught my heart to fear.'" And what's that about? <laughs> what's going on there? And I, I think, I think that kind of fear, that our second good fear, is, is, is the fear or, or waking up to the fear that we are in the wrong place. When, we are, when, we are, when all of us are born in this world, we are, we are born as enemies of God. That's the, the doctrine of, of original sin. Uh, because Adam and Eve sinned, we are, we are born sinners and we are born enemies of God. In a sense, there's nothing we can do about it. That's where we start in life. That's the that's the bad news that we need to hear before the good news makes any sense. <laughs> but that is the bad news. In a sense, we're all born in a burning house and we're all fast asleep. And we don't know that the fire, we don't know the house is burning and, and we don't know that our life is in danger. Uh, someone needs to wake us up to the danger. Do you get the idea? And, and that's grace. Grace is when God comes and wakes us up and says, hey, the, the, the house is burning, wake up, get out. Find a way out to save. Get, get, get saved. And, and, and the first thing that God has to do with his grace is to give us the bad news. The house is on fire and we're asleep. And God is saying, wake up. Wake up and get out. <laughs> and I will help you get, God says, I will help you get out. That's, that's the grace my fear is relieved. But... But before God's forgiving grace can have an effect on us, uh, his, his grace of, of waking up our fears to our true situation. Our true situation is we're on the way to, no, we're on the way to H-E-A-V-E-N, we're on the way to H-E-L-L. That's the trouble, the H-E, the down H-E we're, we're going down to. Okay? And God in his grace wakes us up and says, get to heaven, come, come to me and, and make sure you end up in heaven, not in hell. And, and that's what the writer with the hymn was saying about grace teaching our hearts to fear. First, we need to hear the bad news, and God in his grace gives us the bad news uh, before he shares the good news of his salvation with us. Um, 
that, that kind of fear of judgment for ourselves also spills over into mission. Uh, why, why do people share the gospel? Why do we go on mission trips? Why do people come from the UK to Namibia for years and years? We love it, actually. But you know, why do people move around the world to share the gospel, leave home and family and do all this stuff? Um, <clears throat> it's, it's, in a sense, it's also because of fear. When we become Christians, we, we then become afraid for those who are still asleep in the, in the burning houses, and we want to wake them up. Yes? Um, one of my uh, student friends... Uh, was she was a Christian and uh, she uh, she she was beginning to uh, uh, realize that one of her non-Christian friends was was needing to hear the gospel and was kind of getting interested in hearing the gospel and 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 my friend kind of said yeah I'll tell her I'll tell her one day I'll get round to it I'll make a plan and she knew the Lord was asking her to share the gospel with this person but you know she didn't know her that well and it, there was plenty of time you know it was okay she was fairly relaxed. <clears throat> And this went on for a while, and, and, and no, no, not now. And she knew the Lord was pushing her, and no, not today, or next week, you know, putting it off, putting it off. And then one night she had a dream. So, you know, there was the judgment seat. Lord Jesus was there, and, and all the people were gathered before uh, the judgment seat. And, and my friend was there, and, and the, this non-Christian friend was also there. And, and then the Lord began to divide people. You know, some were going this way. And some were going this way. And my friend was with the group who were going with Jesus uh, through, the, through the door to heaven. And, and, and the other group with her non-Christian friend, they were going through the other door. And just about, just as the two, this is her dream, just as the two of them were going through their respective doors, the non-Christian friend turned to my friend and said with her eyes, you never told me, you know? And that was the last thing she saw. And then my friend sort of woke up in the middle of the night. You know, with this. So that morning at the, the first lecture at 8 o'clock, she said, I need to talk to you. I need to share the gospel with you. <laughs> and she did it the, the next day. And this girl became a Christian because she'd been able to share the gospel at the right time. So, you know, we, we as Christians, in a sense, have a holy fear on behalf of our non-Christian friends and families and the non-Christians out there. We, we're afraid for them. We want them to wake up. Uh, and, and their house is burning. Uh, so we want to bring the, 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 the grace that, 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 that wakes them up, that, in a sense, that makes them afraid. Non-Christians aren't afraid. They, they don't know that the house is burning. <laughs> and they're asleep. And, and we need to wake them up. We need to bring that bad news and, and uh, um, help them understand their situation before God, uh, before the good news makes sense. Bring them the bad news. Uh, and then the good news uh, will make sense. So two kinds of good fears. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, and then the grace that teaches our heart to fear. Um, the, the, the fear that we really are lost, and we need to take action to do something about it, both for ourselves and, and for uh, the people we meet. So uh, very generally, uh, dealing with fear as Christians, that's the next heading there. Um, I don't know if you're fans of the Narnia books. Sorry, Rika, I didn't, have we got this? Yeah, with these wonderful, uh, the seven books of, of C.S. Lewis, uh, the stories of Narnia. You'll say, ah, it's for kids. Well, yes, it's true. He did write them for kids. Uh, but there is so much truth. Uh, we can all enjoy uh, the deep truths that are in these stories. I just love, they're just adventure stories anyway. Um, so you can enjoy them just as adventure stories. But uh, as, as a Christian, C.S. Lewis puts so much deep Christian truth into these stories as well. And, and one of the themes that runs through all seven books 
And one of the ways that Aslan, who's the, the, the great king lion of Narnia, uh, the one, one of the ways he interacts with the people in the book is to remove their fears, different kinds of fears. Uh, and and it's, it's amazing. Um, I, I love reading these books. Uh, I read them all every year. Um, and, and just the way that Aslan deals with the fears of his people uh, is, is fantastic. And so I do highly recommend them to you anyway. They're, uh, they're, they're good books to read. Uh, I think there are three movies, not so good movies, but there are three movies. There's, there's a TV series. I'm, I think there's stuff on YouTube as well. The, the, British, the BBC did a TV series. Not so good, but, but okay. Um, so, but there's stuff there if you like to watch rather than read as well. Um, but just getting a feel for how Aslan, Aslan knows that the people are, have fear and are, are afraid, and, and he works with the, the people of Narnia to, to help them overcome uh, their different fears. So enjoy those books. Uh, the sec my second thing about dealing with fear in general, not yet talking about fear of death, but <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, the second general principle of dealing with our fears is not to try and get to the place where we are so spirit, super spiritual that we, we no longer have fears. That's, that to me is a false goal. And, and you may hear preachers and teachers sort of teach it as if that's the, the, the place we need to reach as Christians here on earth. We need to reach the point where we don't have any fears anymore. Do you get the idea? This some kind of super spiritual, non-fear, uh, spiritual existence. I, I don't think that's valid. I don't think that's uh, the right place to aim at. If, if you're trying to overcome your fears by aiming at this place where you don't have any, stop right now. That's my advice to you. It's, it's not a place that God means us to be in this side of heaven. Remember in Revelation, at the, when, when, when John sees the new heaven and the new earth, he actually th he throws in a little line. He says, and there was no longer any sea. What's that? No more beach holidays? What's going on there? But, but the sea, for, the, for God's people, the sea, the Mediterranean, the sea was always the source of all their troubles. Think of the, the Philistines. Where did the, where did the Palestines, where did the Philistines came, come from? They, they were Phoenicians. They came over the sea in their ships and they settled on the shores of the Promised Land. Gash, uh, Gath, Ashdod, Eshkelon, all these cities on, on the coast. The sea was the source of all their fears. It's, it's in heaven that we will live without any fear. But we're not in heaven yet. We're down here. Um, so, so, Please, I, I, I think if, if you're listening to people who say we can live as fearless Christians and, and we, get, we, we have to elevate ourselves to this place where we no longer have any fears, I don't think that's valid. As you read scripture, you, you read that, that God is a bit like Aslan in the Narnia. God is not calling us to have no fears. He's, he's, he's calling us to, to overcome the fears that we have, to learn how to deal with the fears that we have. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, yeah, please, I th that's an important distinction. I think it's really important <laughs> distinction. And, and Martin Luther, if you want some good quotes, uh, Mark Twain is good, but Martin Luther is also good, uh, Christian quotes. Uh, I love this quote by Martin Luther. He's talking about temptations, but, but, but temptations and fears, I think, are, are, are very similar. Again, as Christians, 
We, we can't aim at the place when we, where we are no longer tempted. If we're in this world, we will be tempted. Yeah? It's in heaven that there are no more temptations. So a bit like fears. Fears and temptations go together. Okay? Heaven is the place where there's no more fear. Heaven is the place where there's no more temptation. Down here, we, we need to learn how to deal with our fears and temptations on a daily basis. That's, that's, the, that's the spiritual gifting and the spiritual lesson and the spiritual skills we need. Not, not to become fearless and temptationless, but, but just fighting. Fighting our fears and temptations. So Luther says this about temptations, but I think it's also about fears. He says, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. And, and you know, while we are down this side of heaven, while we're in this earth as Christians, the birds are flying over our head and there's nothing we can do about it. The birds called temptation, the birds called fear, they are flying. You know, it's only in heaven where there will be no more bird of those birds. <laughs> okay. what, what we need to learn is the skills of stopping them nesting in our hair and giving them, giving them roof space up here. I'm unlucky. I haven't, they just slide off. But, um, you know, some more of us have got other problems. But, you know, it's, um, it's, we, we don't have a bird-free existence down here. That's heaven. Down here, the birds will be flying every single day, and we just have to brush them off. We have to keep brushing out the birds of fear and temptation uh, from, our, from our heads. Nothing we can do about it. That's, that's the skill we need, okay? The skill we need is fighting our fears and, and fighting our temptations. Okay, by the way of introduction, let's get on to with uh, the fear of death. Uh, it's, of course, it is a, a, a taboo subject, I think very much so in Africa. Uh, you can't talk about death in Africa. Very, very difficult. It's just, it's just our culture that we're from. I actually think uh, God wants to uh, free us from our taboos, whatever our cultural taboos are. Um, I, I think God wants to work on those taboos. You know, so if we're coming from a culture where this is taboo and that is taboo, don't be surprised if the Spirit says, I, I, want, you, I want you to work on those things. So so that they're no longer fearful taboos for you, yeah? So um, don't be surprised if, if God gets under your skin with, with some of these taboo subjects. He does not want you to live in fear to those taboos. Your, your culture and your society may say, this is a taboo subject, that's a taboo subject, but God will, will want to address those in your life as well, including the taboo subject of, of death. Uh, the Brits are a bit different. We tend to deal, we don't, we don't call death a taboo subject. We, we just deal with it by joking. You know, we make jokes about it. You know, you know all those great British jokes on death. There's a story of a husband and wife at the breakfast table, and they've been happily married for years. And the wife was just, just drinking a cup, cup, cup of tea, and she said, she said, you know, said, if I die, my husband, I, I want you to remarry. I don't, I don't want you to, to be on your own. You know, will, will, will you promise me to, to get remarried if I die? And he said, no, I, I won't. If you're the only one for me. If, if, if you're gone, that's me single for the rest of my life. And she said, no, 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 that would be terrible. You, you, know, you know, who would wash the dishes? Who would cook? You know, all this, who would get you organized? You, you need to get married. If I go, please promise me that you'll marry someone else. You know? So, you know, he's, he's having his breakfast. Okay, I'll, okay, yes, I promise I'll get married to somebody else. So they just carry on having breakfast. A little while later, she says, you know, if, if, you get, if I die and you remarry, uh, you know, I, I, want, I want your new wife to have my, my, my record, my CD collection, you know. 
And uh, he said, well, that's a bit strange, having your, you're gone, but your CDs are still in the house on the shelf. That's a bit strange. She said, no, but no, I want you. I, you know, I, I want you to keep them. Don't throw them away. Don't give them away. Please keep them. I said, oh, okay, yes, I'll, I'll keep the CD collection. A bit of silence. Uh, my, my book collection. Please don't throw those. Don't give them to Uncle Spike, you know, or whatever. You know, don't throw them away. Don't give them. Away. Please, please keep the books. If you get married, your, my, my, your new wife will enjoy reading my books. You know, they're so precious to me. I'd love to. I'd love to think that your new wife will be reading my books. And he's got. Oh, it's a bit weird, but yeah, okay. Anything for a quiet life. <laughs> Eating his breakfast. A little bit of silence. Okay, what about my pictures? Don't, I've, I've got lots of pictures around the house. And I know they'll remind you of me when I'm gone, but, but please keep them. You know, don't, don't throw away my pictures. And, yeah, yeah, well, I'll keep all your pictures. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, what, my, all my dresses. I love all my dresses. She can have them, can't she? No, 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 no. There's no way she can have your dresses. Why, why ever not? Why can't she have my dresses? She's a size 10. Hmm. Okay, truth, truth comes out eventually. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing about the fear of death specifically uh, in Scripture is it's, it's actually a thing. It's, it's one of the fears that is, is highlighted individually. So have a look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. I, I find this fascinating. This is, this is pointed out uh, in Scripture. So uh, Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15 says this. Uh, Since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus too, uh, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. It's... it's you know, verse 15, is, it's an actual named fear in, in Scripture. Um, and, and it's serious. It's a thing. It's a, it's a thing and it's a serious thing, isn't it? Look at that, verse 15. Free those who all their lives whew, were held in slavery by their, not fear of kangaroos or kudus or lions, their fear of death. The, the fear of death uh, has a lifelong effect. There are people who all their lives have been living with this fear. And the consequence for their lives is slavery, held in slavery. So fear of death is a thing, and it's, 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 it's a, a terrible thing. <laughs> it has a long-term hold, and it has a powerful hold. Does that make sense? Um, so, in a sense, if, we're, if, if, as, if as Christians we are still struggling with fear of death, it's, it's not a surprise, yeah? I guess the first, thing to, the first way to address our fears is not to be afraid of them. Does that sound whack? Um, uh, but we, we, we become less afraid of our fears when we analyze them and sit down with them and work them out. And where do they come from? And what's the, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't, we become afraid of our fears if we shut them in a box and put them away and say, no, I'm not afraid of that. You know, and we're not dealing with it. Deal with your fears. We saw that in the testimony, didn't we? Deal with your fears and you overcome your fears and they turn into faith. 
and, and, and the fear of death is, is a lifelong slavery. Wow. Does, does that characterize you? Have you been afraid your whole life? Have you been in slavery for your whole life because of the fear of death? Sure. And people are. Um, and I, that was my experience as, you know, becoming a Christian didn't deal with my fear of death. It's something I had to work through as a Christian. Does that make sense? So, uh, you know, I guess most of us are Christians here. We, we shouldn't be surprised if some of us here are still struggling with this. Uh, verse 15 is telling us how serious it is. It's serious. Okay. It can hold people in slavery for their whole lives. Uh, and so, yes, it's, it's serious uh, and we need to, to take it seriously and, and work through it uh, and get, get answers, as we saw in, in the testimony there. Uh, this is a little, sorry, uh, this is a late quotation from Narnia uh, that isn't, isn't on your handbook, uh, but, but uh, there's a little conversation, one of the end of the Narnia books uh, about death, and, and Lucy is, is talking to Aslan. Uh, she says this, Oh, Aslan, uh, will you tell us how to get into your, your country from our world? And Aslan says, I shall be telling you all the time, but I will not tell you how long or short the way will be, only that it lies across a river. But do not fear that, for, that, for I am the great bridge builder. I love that. Death is across the river, or death is the river that we need to cross, uh, but Aslan, or Jesus, uh, he is the great uh, bridge builder. So uh, uh, God, God wants us to overcome our fear of death. Uh, verse 14 is, of, of Hebrews chapter 2 is, is what he has done. In, in his death, he has destroyed Satan, uh, who, is, who has held the power uh, of death. Uh, and, and he's come to set us free from it. One, one of the works of the cross is to set us free from the slavery that comes from the fear of death. Yeah? So, you know, fear of death is a real thing, it's a serious thing, and it's one of the things that made Jesus go to the cross, is to, is to free us and help us from that particular fear. Uh, please feel free to talk to Hillary. She's, I've checked this with her uh, already. Um, ask her about her near-death experience. Some people have uh, spiritual near-death experiences. She had a real near-death experience. Um, I'll just give a quick summary here. Uh, end of the 1980s, she and her friend, her dad and her dad's friend, the four of them, were in a little sailboat uh, crossing the Irish Sea between Scotland and, and Ireland. Um, and it was one, one o'clock in the morning, middle of the night, Huge bang uh, uh, on, on the boat. And suddenly the whole thing was filling with water. It just filled with water so quick and straight down. And I think the four of them had to, you know, no, well, there's a couple on the surface, I think, uh, but Hillary was down in the, in the hull asleep and, and they had to get out uh, and, and get out of the boat uh, before they went down uh, with it. And uh, as, as, it, as they found out afterwards, the, the British Navy were having exercises in the area, and it seems one of the submarines, the periscope, one of the submarines had gone straight through the hull of the boat and ripped it open, and that's why it was sinking uh, so fast. So the four of them do actually make it to the surface, and they're, they're treading water, uh, uh, and waiting for the rescue, and, and they can actually see the rest of the Navy fleet uh, around. And, um, 
the, the Navy know, the, the, the sub knows they've hit something. And, and, uh, and, and I think the call goes out, but the, radio, the, the, wrong, the, the wrong location is given, and it's, there's all kinds of confusion. So they're not getting picked up. They're seeing the boats, and they're seeing boats looking for them, but they're not looking for them. And uh, I think, Hillary, your, your dad got to the point where he said, just let me go, I'm ready to go. You know, they, they've been treading water for so long, they've been getting to the point where they're not going to make it much longer. And, and fortunately, they did get picked up. All four, uh, well, Hillary's dad's passed, but all four survived. But Hillary will tell you, she's, she's never felt less afraid of death when she was so near it. Does that make sense? <laughs> she's, when, 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 when she was at the point of death, at that point, she was the least afraid of death than she's ever been. <laughs> and, and in a sense, that's, that's God's grace. That's God's grace. She was ready to go. I think they were all ready to go. Um, but that, that's another way that God works uh, in our hearts to overcome our fears. So, sometimes we, we, we give ourselves fears, and the Lord is saying, I, I'm not giving you strength to overcome that one yet. Wait Wait for the time. <laughs> God's strength comes to us at the right time. And, and we needn't go looking for fears and, and things like this. So don't drag them up. If you're not afraid of, the, of death this morning, don't go try and dragging it up so that you can overcome it. You know, um, God, God's strength comes to us at the point of need as, as well. Um, so please chat with Hillary about that. She's, uh, she said she's happy to talk about that. Uh, I'm very glad she survived and uh, <laughs> that, that sinking. Uh, if you know your history, uh, the submarine that sunk her also sunk the Argentinian ship, the Belgrano, on the Falklands Islands in the Falklands War. It's the same submarine. Uh, you can Google HMS Conqueror and uh, the, that ship, the, the little Dalriada um, uh, yacht that they sunk on is actually on Google. So Hillary's, Hillary's internet famous. There we go. <laughs> but isn't that the grace of God for Hillary? Is the, just at that point when she was ready to go, she was least afraid. She was just ready to go, just ready to walk through the door, cross the bridge, where we go. So, um, as I said at the start, I'd like to share with you as we close just some of these techniques and some of the things that helped me overcome uh, the fear of death. And of course, it's got to be scriptures that, that do that. Uh, so John 14, a powerful uh, help for me. John 14, uh, verses 1 uh, to 3. Uh, Jesus has, this is the, the Last Supper, Jesus has uh, just shared the news that he's going to be taken and killed, and, uh, and the disciples are troubled and worried. Uh, and he, Jesus says to them, he's, he's the one who's shared that, that he's going to die, and he's the one who's comforting them, because they're upset, because he said he's going. So he says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to, uh, to be with me that you also may be where I am. I love the fact that Jesus is comforting them. He's the, they're not dying, he is. But they're the ones who are upset and he's the one who's going to be comforting them. But these, these words I found really helped me. In my father's house are many rooms. Not one or two. Many. Thousands. Millions. <laughs> uh, 
And, he, and, and Jesus actually tells us, if it were not so, I would have told you. If there were only two rooms in heaven, Jesus would have told us that there are only two rooms. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But he, he's telling us that he's not telling us that. He's telling us that there are many rooms. Okay. So that there are many rooms. God has a plan to save many people, not just one or two special people. God's plan of salvation encompasses the whole world and the whole time, even you and me. He, his plan is for you and for me uh, to be there. Um, how do we know that? He says, end of verse 2, I am going there to prepare a place for you, you and me. Yeah? How do I know that the death of Jesus applies to me. I, I know, as a Christian, I know that Jesus died on the cross. How do I know that his death benefits me? Well, here he is going to heaven to prepare a place for me and for you. Yeah? So the cross must work for me because there's a room in heaven with my name on it. And there's a room in heaven with your name on it. Yeah? And, and Jesus, one, re one reason that Jesus ascended and went back to heaven is to get that room up to spec, to get it ready. Wow, 2,000 years. Whew. Yeah. You know how long Ronaldo takes to get your house nicely done. Imagine Jesus is spending 2,000 years to get your house sorted out. Fantastic. So you're down here worrying about your place in heaven. Jesus is up there getting it ready. There's a bit of a disconnect when we're worried about it. So this is what happens with verse 3. <clears throat> Verse 3 is to connect the two. Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you there, <clears throat> I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus is not going to prepare a room for you in heaven with your name on the door and then leave it empty for eternity. Verse 3 tells us if he's, if he's gone to the trouble to get your room ready and put your name on the door... He's going to make sure you're going to get there. How is he going to make sure you're going to get there? Because he's going to come back and take you there and open the door and push you in. You know, he's, he hasn't spent 2,000 years making it ready just to leave it empty forever. So these verses, boom, 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 they're like, for me, they were like uh, hammer blows that, that, that just killed my fear of death. You know, each one was a significant truth that, 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 that just dealt with the fear. <laughs> Many rooms, not a few, you know. Can, can, could I be one of the few to get to heaven? No, we'll be one of the millions that get there. Okay? Uh, and if it wasn't so, Jesus would have told us. He would have told us if there was only one or two rooms. <laughs> so he's gone back to prepare a place for us. And if he's, if he's gone to prepare a place for us, which he has, he will, he will come back. So to, to, to take us by the hands and, and drag us there and, and make sure we benefit from his hard work. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not going to let his hard work go to waste. If he's made a room for you in heaven, he will bring you there and, and put you in and make sure you enjoy it. Okay? Fantastic. In our home church in uh, Aberdeen, uh, we've got a... a Above, above the pulpit, this, wherever this would be, uh, a wonderful, they call it a rose window, a circular window, and uh, a picture, it's a, just a picture of Jesus at the ascension. Uh, beautiful stained glass, and when the sun shines through, the colors are amazing, and the, the colors 
shine through into the church. It's a beautiful picture. And I remember one day when I was struggling with all this and I was reading John 14, I was looking up at, the, at the, this, picture, this wonderful picture of Jesus ascending, going back into heaven, and just these words whispered in my heart, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Seeing the picture with your eyes and hearing that little voice, just the two things was, was absolutely fantastic. And, and I still, I can put, just like that, I can put myself back in that seat all those years ago, and I can imagine the picture and just hear God saying again, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And, and I just reminded of all these three verses. It's, 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 a, real, it's a real sight. I think, I think God knows that we're human. He knows that we're physical. Uh, and he knew that for me, struggling with this spiritual issue, I needed to see something with my physical eyes as well as hear something from him, you know? So that, seeing that window, seeing that picture of Jesus ascending and hearing him say, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Wow, what a, what a difference uh, that made. Uh, the second uh, verses that, ha- that have helped me especially, and, and, and there are all kinds of other verses <laughs> that will help us, but I've only jo- chosen uh, these, these few this morning. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. I'm not going to preach on the whole thing, but let's read it. Uh, Paul says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is, de- is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So this is the earthly tent. These physical bodies that we have now is the earthly tent. A tent is temporary, okay? But we have a building, a house uh, from God uh, that will not be destroyed in heaven, okay? So here we are in a tent. There we will be in a house. This isn't really the, the room that Jesus is preparing for us. The, the house is the resurrection body. So uh, when we're on earth, before we die, we're in an earthly tent, but, but Jesus has an eternal, uh, an eternal body waiting for us. We, we will have physical bodies in heaven. Heaven will still be a physical place. There wasn't just a new heaven, there was a new earth. And we will have new physical bodies to live in the new earth. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a wonderful reminder. It's not built by human hands. I mean, Ronaldo's a great guy, but, you know, it, it's not built by human hands. It's built by Jesus' hands, okay? God, God is preparing for us an eternal house in heaven. What's our response to this? Mean, verse 2, meanwhile, we groan. We long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Living in a tent is like being naked compared to living in that heavenly house. That, that's so much more substantial. <laughs> that, that body is so much more substantial that living in this body is almost like being naked, having no clothes at all. And, and we don't want to be naked. We don't want to be in the tent. We want to be, we want to be there with, with, with those new bodies in those new homes. That's where, we, that's where our soul wants to be, doesn't it? Yes, that's far better. <laughs> when we are clothed, verse 3, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. This just makes spiritual sense. Our souls long for what is best and what is better. Uh, Yeah. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. 
Dying is the process where we lose this tent and we take up our eternal house. And our souls will go, whew, made it home. Thank goodness for that. But look at verse 5. Yeah, this sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? But look at verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. Am I getting too super spiritual here? Am I putting false hopes in front of you? No, verse 5, it is God who has made us for this very purpose. For this very purpose of moving from the tent to the permanent house. That's why God made us. Okay? You wake up at 2 o'clock on Monday morning or maybe 6 o'clock when the alarm goes off on Monday morning. Oh Lord, why did you make me? You know? This is why God made you. Because he's made you for that eternal house in heaven. That's why, that's why he put you down here. So that you would have a life that starts here and leads there. <laughs> that's why God made you. That's why God made me. Because he has that purpose in front of us. He has made us for this very purpose. And has done more than that. And has given us the spirit as a deposit. Guaranteeing what is to come. And Paul loves to use the idea of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee or a seal, a deposit, the 10% down that guarantees the 90%, you know. The Christian life is a bit like a 10% down payment, yes. We are Christians, we are children of God, we are born again, we have the Holy Spirit, we have 10%, you know, we've started down the road, but 90% is coming. There's, whole much, there's so much more to come. And, and because we have the Spirit with us now, he acts as a guarantee of all the rest that is to come. Um, uh, one of my pastors was talking to a little old lady. She was about, she was, I think she didn't have long left. And uh, he said to her, aren't you afraid uh, that you might not get into heaven? And the little lady looked him in the eye and said, said if I don't get into heaven, she said, I will lose my salvation, but Jesus will lose his glory. I like that. I will lose my salvation, but Jesus will lose his glory. And he's not in the business of losing his glory. If, if God gives us the Spirit as a guarantee, as a deposit, and we don't get to heaven, it's, it's God who loses the glory. And he's not, God never loses his glory. <laughs> us being in heaven... Is, is to God's glory. It's, it's the fulfillment of his purposes for you and for me. And so him preparing that place for us and putting our name on the door, when we, when we walk through that door, that's his glory. Yeah, it's our salvation, yes. But it, more importantly, it's his glory. And he's not going to lose his glory. He's not going to do anything or miss out anything that will, that will lose one fraction of 1% from his glory. That's God's business. God's glory is God's business. And, and you and me getting to heaven is God's business and God's glory. What else can we say? Let's finish with uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, the, the famous uh, resurrection uh, passage, but I think it sums up everything lo lovely in a lovely way. Uh, so 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, verses uh, 50 uh, up to uh, 57. Uh, Paul again, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, uh, that flesh and blood, this, this, this temporary tent, uh, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. 
Do you see what he's saying? He's saying de death is the process by which this change happens. What, the way we are now cannot, cannot get into heaven. Something needs to happen. A transformation or a change needs to happen for us to get into heaven. And because of the cross, death has become the, 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 not, some, not something to fear, but death has become the, the process of the change. The transformation process is now done through death. Does that make sense? So we shouldn't fear death because death itself is the means by which we get there. Death is the process by which the, the perishable is lost in order to be replaced by the imperishable. As we are now, we cannot get into heaven. Something needs to happen, and it's death that makes the thing happen. Yeah. Listen, says Paul, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We're not all going to die when Jesus comes back. Uh, there, there will be people still on earth when he comes back. Uh, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the last trumpet will sound uh, the dead. Those who have already died will be raised imperishable in their imperishable bodies, and we will be changed. So Paul is using the language of someone who is still alive when Jesus comes back. And, and uh, the time of the writing of the New Testament, most of, most of the Christians in the early church believed that Jesus would have come back very fast. And, and Paul's language here is the language of someone who's expecting Jesus to come back in his lifetime. Of course, it didn't happen, but, but this is still true for those who, who will still be alive when Jesus comes back. Uh, most, most of God's children will have died, but there will be some left when Jesus comes back. And, and this is what it will be like for them. Uh, yes, verse 53, for uh, the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. The tent must be replaced with a house, with a building. The mortal, with what we have now, with immortality, which is what Jesus is preparing for us. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? It's nowhere. Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting has been drawn. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus wins the victory. He, he defeated death. He defeated the devil, the author of death. And Jesus gives us the victory. We who did not fight. The, the one who did fight and gained the victory shares the victory with us. That's brilliant. Paul calls us more than conquerors. How can you be more than a conqueror? You either win or you lose. If you're a Norwich supporter like me, you lose. But, you know, you can't, you can't, how do you mean more than win? How can you be more than a victor? Well, let me tell you how you can be more than a victor. You can be the victor without fighting. Jesus is the victor because he fought and won. But he gives, he shares that victory with us who did not fight. And so we are, we are more than victorious. Because we gain the victory without fighting the battle. Isn't that fantastic? It's as if you've been on the bet. You play for Norwich. You're watching your teammates lose there out there. Well, one, one day Norwich are going to win. Okay. And, and, and the, there's one guy who sat on the bench for the entire 90 minutes. And Norwich finally win a game in the premiership. And the guy and the rest of the team said, you don't win. We played. You sat on the bench. We're the winners. You're not. Sorry. No, that's not going to happen. He is going to be part of the celebration. He won just as much as they did, even though he sat on the bench for the 90 minutes. You get the idea? 
They, they are the conquerors. He's more than a conquerer because he got all the spo- He got the three points and he didn't. He just, had, he just sat there and relaxed for 90 minutes. Do you, do you get the idea? We, we are on the bench when Jesus is fighting that battle with Satan on the cross. He wins and then he shares that victory, that victory over death uh, with us. So those are just three sections of scripture that I hope may, may help you in your, in your battle with, with the fear of death. They've certainly helped me. I, I hope they help you. Uh, please come and talk to me or to Hillary about our various different experiences. Very happy to talk to you over coffee. But let's pray. Lord God, what an incredible plan you have for us. Uh, yes, Lord, there are some mornings when we, we ask ourselves, maybe we ask you, Lord, why, why was I born? Why am I here? Why did you do this? <laughs> and yet, Lord, in these verses, uh, we have your whole eternal purpose laid out uh, for each one of us. You, you have brought us into existence, Lord, so that uh, you may save us and, and bring us to heaven. Lord, this... This is your plan for your glory, uh, that we shall be in heaven uh, with you. Yes, we must cross that river of death, Lord, but, but you are the great bridge builder. And we will, we will meet that river, Lord, when, when the time comes. When you lead us to that uh, river, uh, as you were with Hillary, Lord, you will be, you will be with us, uh, ready to help us across. Uh, and Lord, our, our being in heaven is, is not down to chance or or luck, or, or our own goodness, or our own worthiness of being there, Lord. Us being in heaven is all down to your mercy, and your glory, and your grace, and your love. And uh, Lord, just, just help us. Help us to absorb these deep truths into our souls, uh, so that here and now uh, we may overcome our fears, and especially uh, this fear of death. Lord, I pray for any who are here this morning, or listening online, Lord, any who have their whole lives been held in slavery because of the fear of death. I do pray for any, Lord, who are in this place, that you will be speaking to them and ministering to them and, and bringing to the, uh, to the point of, of freedom from that slavery. Uh, uh, Lord, just remind us, remind us all uh, that you are the victor, that the cross was the place of your victory over Satan, over death, over sin, And Lord, you are the one who shares that victory with us. Uh, Lord, help us to bask deeply in these truths this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.